You are listening to the Eating Disorders Recovery Podcast with me, Tabitha Farrar. Hello there. Welcome to this week's podcast. This podcast is about, well, I guess it's about me talking about how eating disorders can change our values and turn us into people that we aren't really and how recovery can amend those sorts of things. I had a dream last night and um, don't worry, I'm not going to be one of those boring people that just starts telling you about random dreams I've had. This one actually is relevant. Uh, It was about a friend of mine. Um, She was quite a bit older than me. Um, A friend of mine who died quite some time ago. Yeah, a pretty long time ago now. And I, I often dream of like I often dream of people that I don't really necessarily see anymore luckily not usually because they've died but it could be for other reasons and generally when I dream of someone I always wake up and I just think well that was kind of nice to see them it it almost feels a bit like you got to spend some time with them and and appear in a dream and um and and this particular friend of mine let's call her Mary Mary was just she was Mary and um it was it felt really good to see her but whenever I think of Mary it's difficult for me to think about her to remember her and I wish I could just remember her for the wonderful person that she was and the we spent a lot of time together the fun times we had but really when I think of Mary most of the time I just get this this feeling of real guilt and wrongdoing and quite rightly actually I think because I, I didn't do right by her um so Mary got diagnosed with cancer and got diagnosed when by the time she was diagnosed it was stage four breast cancer and um, so there wasn't really much that could be done and and she had about a year and of course I talked to her on the phone a lot you know we, we lived in the same town so it's not like she was very far away um, but me being so busy all the time this was when I was sick by the way so me being so busy all the time in the gym, most of it, and exercising and doing anorexic me, um, I, you know, I've always had this intention to I'll go and spend more time with her, especially she was over the months went by and she got sicker. I, don't, I didn't. Um, I, you know, it was just always the intention of, well, I'll, I'll make time. And then it was it, with everything with me, anything that upset my daily routine was a problem. And I was really stuck in it that time. I was really stuck in the exercise. And um, so taking time out to see her and then was getting towards the end and um, her family put on this party for her, a celebration of life party. And um, it was about, it was, um, I remember when it was, it was 5.30 on Wednesday evening that this celebration of life party was. And the, it was being held oh, five miles from my house. It was really close by, so can't make distance as any excuse and um but the time of that celebration of life party was the same time that uh, um spin class that I like to take at the gym was on an exercise class one that I went to religiously every week and so then I had this dilemma didn't I but well, what do you do now that wouldn't be a dilemma for anybody else i don't think or at least anybody without uh, an eating disorder i guess um and now in my head it 
just seems like, how could that have even been a dilemma? How could have I even contemplated not going to Mary's celebration of life party when she was terminally ill and instead going to a spin class at the local gym, a room full of people that I didn't really know on an electronic bike just because I needed to exercise. But like I said, I was pretty in my eating disorder then and I chose the gym. I chose to go to the gym. I didn't go to Mary's end of life party. And, you know, I just made the excuses in my head like, well, it's not going to be a big deal. There'll probably be lots of people there. She won't even notice that I'm not there. And I justified it. And I also told myself, I'll make it up to her. I'll um, I'll go at the weekend and I'll go and see her. Um, and I, you know, that's that's I think what I mostly used. I told I'll go and see her at the weekend and it'll be fine. And um, so I didn't go. And uh, you know, the crazy, crazy thing is, is that I didn't even feel bad for not going. It just felt going to the gym seemed the right thing to do because of course when you have a restrictive eating disorder with a compulsive movement component the movement's always the right thing to do isn't it and it does come above everything else and it's more important than anything else and I do believe that my eating disorder meddled with my belief system so I really did believe actually that that was the right thing to do, as crazy as that sounds to anybody who hasn't had a compulsive movement problem with an eating disorder. But those of you listening that has have, I, I know that you'll understand. Um, yeah, so anyway, I didn't go, and Mary died two days later. She died on the Friday, and um, yeah, what can I say? I didn't go. And I know that when, when she died, I was very upset. I definitely just... I couldn't believe it really, it just, it actually was a bit of a reality smack in the face for me. That, you know, like my brain could justify anything and take people for granted and always put the movement first. And Mary wasn't the first person I'd taken for granted. I was doing it to everybody all the time. And that, but that was really the first time I, there had been, you know, there had been that big a consequence. I know I didn't get to see her before she died. That was huge. And so I was really upset when I heard um, that news. But and I cried a lot. But I actually think a lot of that was my own grief at like, oh my God, I didn't go. And I just felt guilty. Um, and I think that um, the more I recovered, the more things like that have come back and just made me think, wow. And I have, I feel like I have more regret, way more regret now about not going to that end of life party than I even did say when I, on my Friday when I heard that she died, because to me now the exercise is just, it, it's, it's less than unimportant in my life. It's just, it's so unimportant compared to people. Um, you know, like, as it should be, it's in its movements in its place, I guess. I, I always put people first. And um, and so 
the fact that I know that I made that decision, that I made the decision not to go to Mary's end of life party because I wanted to go to my spin class at the gym, just, I, it's like my own brain can barely comprehend it because my brain is now in a different state than it was when it was in the state that made that decision. So I know I made that decision and I can, I can understand myself making that decision. I can feel myself making that decision. I can feel what it was like to make that decision. I can feel the way that my brain justified it. All of those things are there, but I still can't believe that I made that decision. Um, and I still regret that I made that decision because a lot of the things, a lot of the stupid decisions that I made when I had a restrictive eating disorder, um, I've been able to kind of make up for them, I guess, because people have still been around. So I've been able to apologize or I, for not going to people's weddings. I've been able to... Um, make it up to them in a different way. Most of them actually didn't really need me to make them up, make it up to them at all. They just needed me to recover and that was it. That was enough. Um, but this, this one, I can't, I can't change it. And that's really difficult. It's really difficult for someone like me, especially. Um, I just want to be able to make everything right. I want to be able to, you know, I guess, sort things out. And this is something that I can't sort out. So, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Eating disorders, they really meddle with you. They, I know that I, it turned me into somebody that, well, somebody I certainly wouldn't like. Somebody I don't really like. When I look back on it, I don't think I would have been my friend. I think it would have been possible to be my friend, frankly. Mary tried. Um, but very, very, just everything looked different and my attitude to everything was different and every situation really was different just the way almost my brain processed things um and i do feel that my over the years of having a restrictive eating disorder it really affected my belief systems and i really did believe that movement exercise and you know orthorexic eating were things that I had to do and the thing that and that they were things that were valuable and, and morally right and and more valuable than anything else and so I could justify making very selfish decisions um that would allow me to continue with my compulsions like my brain really believed that they were right and I also felt through recovery and through the rewiring process in recovery, I felt that my belief systems begin to let go of that and, and that belief system begin to change and go away. Belief systems really fascinate me, actually. Um, I am fast, I'm not, I'm an atheist, but I'm fascinated by religion. I'm fascinated from the belief standpoint. And um, my grandma is an example. I, I do actually think that belief systems, I, th I think that they can be biologically influenced, I, I do actually, and so I think that with anorexia, I think that my, my belief systems were kind of influenced by that biological change when my eating disorder genetics were set up, and of course then my behaviours, when our, our behaviours inform our brain, our brains were always watching and listening, and our, our um, thoughts that we listen to inform our brain as to what's important, and our behaviours inform our brain as to what's important, and so of course behaving as if exercise and restrictive eating were important for so many years taught my brain and, and taught that that belief system in there 
Um, and then as I began to nutritionally rehabilitate, though, that, that belief system seemed to get um, easier to shake, which is the biological bit that really interests me, that maybe when my body, my brain believed that there wasn't enough food in the environment and that I had to move, it somehow affected my belief systems um, so that that would be true. I don't know, but it's just, this is why it fascinates me because I don't know the answers here. I just think it's very interesting. And I, yeah, I mentioned my grandmother, somebody who was incredibly religious. Um, all through my childhood, I, I, the only thing, she'd often just ask me if you phoned her up, she'd say, have you, have you, have you said your prayers? Have you been praying? It used to drive me crazy. Um, and so a very religious person. And then she had, um, she had a stroke and she recovered. And then when she recovered, that was just gone. It was just bizarre. Um, and so it's, the so belief systems are really interesting that, that something, that um, illness can affect them. And not just illness, health can affect them as well. But anyway, that's a huge digression, but it's kind of relevant because it's, it's important if you're in recovery from a restrictive eating disorder to understand that the way that your brain works and the way that your activities, your disordered activities feel so incredibly important. The things that you just don't want to let go of. You don't, it's not, you know, you just feel that you don't want to let go of it. That that actually changes as you recover a lot of the time, especially if you're doing the rewiring stuff at the same time, to the point where it's like, it, you're not letting go of it because you have to, you're letting go of it because it's not valuable to you anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. And that's, that's sort of a wonderful place to get to. And that's the place that really leads into the freedom then of being able to make choices. Um, I felt like with, with Mary's end of life party, it just, I don't know if I really had the freedom to make choices at that time. It didn't feel like it at the time. It felt like I was making a choice. It felt like I was choosing to exercise. So I guess I was, but it didn't feel like I really understood that I could choose differently. And recovery for me was deciding that I would choose differently even when it felt like I couldn't or even when it felt like I shouldn't. So I was starting to choose differently to you know, eat more food, to choose differently, to actually commit to weight gain, to choose differently, to commit to stopping the compulsive movement. And those were difficult choices for me to make, it's not saying that they were easy, but the harder part was actually getting to the point of understanding that I actually did have a choice, that I really did have a choice. And, and for me, understanding also that when I, when I knew that, oh, I do have a choice, it then became my responsibility to make the right choice. Whereas before, when I was a bit like, I've got no choice, I've just got to exercise, it was almost like absolving myself of responsibility, which I think is one of the most dangerous things when you're an adult with a restrictive long-term restrictive eating disorder is you've got to understand that it's your responsibility to make recovery choices even when they feel difficult and even when you feel like it's not a choice that you can make it's always a choice that you can make um and i wish i'd been i wish i'd been a little bit further along in my recovery when at the time mary died because i think a little bit further on i would have been able to make the right choice um at least the choice that feels right to my brain in the state that it is now, not the choice that felt right to my brain in the state that it was when I had anorexia. Um, so a lot of the time when you've had a restrictive eating disorder for a very long time, 
you forget what it was like, or at least I would speak for myself, I forgot what it was like to think differently and to be the person that I used to be and the person that I am again now, um, whose values were different, who certainly valued friends and family and people over anything else and put them first always. And um, it still makes me very sad for how long that changed and how many people I hurt. And um, it makes me sad the amount of regret that I have and things that I can't change now about that time that I can't make better. But at least, I, at least that at least I did change it. At least now, you know, I, I, I came back to that person who was actually kind of a nice person <laughs> and values people as they should be valued. But with that comes that huge amount of regret for actions of the past when I wasn't in that state, which feels a bit unfair, doesn't it? You know that I'm judging myself based on who I am now, I'm judging who I was when I had my eating disorder. So maybe it is a little bit unfair, but it doesn't, you know, it's, it also feels quite healthy that I do that. It really does. So yeah, I don't really know what this podcast was about, but maybe it will be helpful for some of you. Until next time, cheerio.